0: Welcome back to the Pointbite.com podcast. This is episode number five in a series where we are examining the most common claims about Bitcoin. Today's episode is going to be about blockchain, which is a bit of a risky subject to tackle because just like with any technology, it's continuously evolving and it's almost impossible to stay ahead of the curve, but we will do our best. Please join me online at pointbike.com to continue the conversation. So before we get started with the blockchain discussion, I do want to quickly touch base on the implications of technology more broadly on the economy. Everybody needs to create a model to help explain how the world works. But the fact that we created a model and we can use it to draw narratives and stories that help explain why certain things behave the way they do doesn't necessarily mean that the stories we tell ourselves are true, or that the stories that we tell ourselves are always true. They might have been true in a certain economic environment and they no longer hold in a new economic environment. And technology is a constant changing force. Introducing the impact of technology on the economy might help explain the reason why we have had so much money printing over the last few years but not quite as much inflation people have been terrified especially since the great recession in 2008 when central banks around the world dramatically expanded their balance sheets that we were going to be flooded with hyperinflation and it just hasn't happened We keep hearing these same stories repeated in the gold community in the bitcoin cryptocurrency community that hyperinflation is around the corner we need to diversify we need to get out of dollars we need to find assets that are uncorrelated to the traditional financial system these people are reckless and irresponsible and the same stories keep getting repeated over and over and over again without any evidence of hyperinflation and in fact we might make the argument there's deflation. There's decreasing prices in many parts of the economy, maybe not in asset prices, maybe not in certain commodities, but um, technology, for example, is incredibly deflationary. Technology... And the more society becomes dependent on technology, the more prices will go down because every single year, look at your iPhone, you have a new version which has more utility, more power that is increasing your productivity every single year. And it's difficult to measure that change, but the reality is that same concept holds true across the entire economy. Everything that we build gets better. Everything that we use gets slightly easier, slightly more automated, slightly less error-prone. And that continuous improvement in technology and the speed with which the technology continues to improve every single year increases our productivity. And the more productive we are, the more money we can absorb without causing prices to go up. That's not to say there is no upper limit. It only means that if we use the same metrics that we have been using in the past. So let's just look for example at money supply and ignore the impact of technology on productivity. We are not necessarily going to be able to use that model that may have been perfectly acceptable decades ago before we saw this pace of technological improvement. Uh, That model simply may not apply anymore today. Instead of complaining that the government is not measuring inflation correctly, perhaps we should instead be complaining that the government is not measuring productivity correctly. But let's get back to blockchain. It's really, really risky to put your opinion on blockchain down in a format that uh, will persist over a long period of time. Whenever you get a ton of very, very smart people very focused on solving a specific problem, there's a pretty decent chance that they will eventually solve that problem. So any of the limitations that blockchain might be suffering from today could easily be addressed uh, the day after this podcast goes live. So with that disclaimer in mind, I believe blockchains can do some very exceptional things. There is a claim that blockchain is revolutionary technology. It solves um, very long standing problems in completely novel and unique ways. There's absolutely no doubt those things are true. There is such an incredible pace of innovation that it's hard to be bearish on the concept of blockchain in general. But the question is how are they being used? Are they being used? And how will people make money? And then, of course, you want to bring it all back to Bitcoin. So, There is no doubt that today, blockchains are generally speaking, clunky, slow, and very unnecessarily complex distributed versions of things that already work quite well, although they are struggling to find relevance today, because they are based on an assumption that may not hold true today, which is that the world doesn't need trust, right, so at least today um with the current state of technology i mean that just isn't true trust is considered a good thing by most people and most companies in fact economic success in general is directly correlated with trust people like having someone they can hold accountable it's that infamous single throat to choke so that's the current economic environment although blockchain might technically be superior to the systems that are in place today they are not necessarily as performant, and they remove accountability, which is something that companies, uh, especially when they're trying to guard you know, mission-critical, extremely sensitive data or systems, really value. You need to be able to sue somebody if something goes wrong, and uh, you there's just no one to sue in the blockchain world. So until that... I would say that's, that's not of a, necessarily a technology constraint. It's more of a values constraint. And until those values shift, it's really hard for me to see wide-scale adoption. But you know that could very easily change. I mean, the reality is that we are living in an insecure world and hacks happen. And as blockchains build a track record of superior security, we're seeing traditional networks get compromised, but blockchains remain unaffected the more credibility they will get in as performance improves over time. Again, you know, smart people working hard trying to solve, you know, technical problems. As those issues start to fall off the board one by one, that um, calculus can easily shift, right? And so what today might be a, I don't really trust blockchain. Um, I don't really know where the data is. I don't have anyone to sue if something goes wrong might very easily turn into it doesn't actually matter because i'm not capable of um, storing my data and guarding my systems uh, anyway so what do i have to lose all that the blockchain will enable you to do is to ensure that you know those blocks are reproduced faithfully that the data cannot be tampered with uh, and that it gives you a sense of confidence in the security of this distributed database Uh, But the fact that you still need to put the data into the database means that there's always going to be a need at some point in the system for trust. You need to trust whatever person or system is accessing the data and inserting it into the block to begin with. So trust isn't necessarily going to go away completely, uh, but you might be able to isolate it and solve the downstream problems after the data has been inserted and consider those to be two separate issues. That will enable people to bridge, right? So what we wanna to try to think of is the steps that people need to take to get comfortable with this new uh, paradigm shift in thinking. So that might be one way to uh, divide and conquer the concerns. And a second might be uh, private blockchains, right? So I know that very large companies are going to be very, very nervous about storing their data in random nodes in random places owned by random people. Even if it's secure and it's encrypted and it's chopped up into little pieces, and if you don't have all of the pieces, you can't make sense of it. Those details might be lost on a company that um, is used to keeping all of their data in an environment that they can control and. You know it's kind of like you know some people they get nervous when they go to sleep that they might have forgotten to turn off the oven and so they make one last trip to the kitchen to, just to make sure so some people just might like the ability to check right just check to make sure that the oven is turned off before you go to sleep just check to make sure that the data is uh still there that that we've not been compromised uh, look for signs of, of you know, tampering and whatnot, and just having the ability to validate it yourself, um, and perform audits might be enough of a reason to uh, stay away from blockchains. But again, you know, these I'm sure that there are ways to solve these problems, but you know, a private blockchain might be a bridge that helps them helps ease people into this new world. So that looks particularly interesting to me, and. I don't see any reason why a very large company might not be able to spin up, you know, a large number of nodes that are completely isolated and separate from one another, which mimics the effect of a blockchain that is public. And you might not have, you know, 100,000 nodes, but maybe with 100 nodes, it's uh, secure enough to justify the investment and the switch. So that to me seems interesting. Today, all of these concepts are based on an assumption. And the assumption is that we can trust cryptography. And the reality is that as the blockchain technology continues to evolve, the hardware that can be used to crack cryptography uh, is also continuing to evolve. The, this is really becoming a bit of an arms race. So you may have heard people refer to, you know, quantum computing. A traditional computer uses binary instruction sets that are always in zeros and ones. With quantum computers, these bits, also referred to as qubits, can maintain multiple states simultaneously. And this new architecture enables a whole different range of algorithms, some of which can be used to crack traditional cryptography. All modern security protocols rely upon a key pair one of which is public and the other of which is private. It is possible to derive the public key from the private key but not the other way around. And that basic premise is broken with quantum computers because it will soon be possible to derive the private key from the public key. And when that occurs, anyone with a copy of the public key can impersonate a node and initiate a rogue valid transaction on the blockchain. This is a problem which is much larger in scope than just blockchains. This breaks all modern security. So, of course, there are many people working on how to create quantum computing, safe uh, cryptographic algorithms. But until that exists, roughly 25% of all Bitcoin addresses have publicly exposed public keys today. And that represents, at current valuations, tens of billions of dollars. And those Bitcoins are all at risk of being stolen the day quantum computers with sufficient power hit the market. And the rest of the addresses, even if they aren't vulnerable when they're sitting at rest, they are vulnerable when a transaction request is initiated, because it takes the Bitcoin network today about 10 minutes to settle each transaction. And during that 10 minutes, the public key is exposed. So if an attacker gets access to the public key and can crack the private key in that time frame, or if the owner of that address did not transfer the entire content of the wallet uh, in that transaction, they will have an opportunity to insert rogue transactions and seize tokens. So this potential vulnerability is, of course, known to the Bitcoin developers, and I'm sure they will be working on a quantum safe cryptographic algorithm, but they can't go back in time and retroactively fix the vulnerabilities of the past that are already locked into the blockchain. That is, of course, the whole point of blockchain. It's immutable. Once the blocks are written, you can't change it. So this is an ongoing arms race. It may not be an issue today. It may be an issue 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but the point is bringing this all back to Bitcoin how do we know that Bitcoin will still hold its value when technology continues to evolve past what we can see today? There are inherent risks in trusting any of these technologies, and Bitcoin might not be the winner. Maybe there will be a different cryptocurrency that solves all of these problems, all the performance issues, all the scalability issues, all of the cryptographic issues, and that cryptocurrency has not yet been invented. So it's very risky to uh, create analogies between Bitcoin and gold, given the fact that gold cannot be hacked. Um, Nobody has been able to manufacture gold in a lab for thousands of years. There's no reason to believe that will change. As far as I'm aware, nobody's even working on that. But we know that there is an oncoming train coming for Bitcoin. And It's an arms race that is unpredictable. So it seems very risky to expect that you can park your money in Bitcoin and come back to it when you intend to retire and expect it will be ready and waiting for you to go and consume. And that is episode number five, which is the last episode that I have planned for season number one. Uh, We'll see if there are continuing developments in this space over the next few weeks or months that might inspire me to create a sixth episode. But for now, that's the end of uh, season number one. It's been a pleasure. Please join me at pointbite.com to continue a discussion online or follow me on Twitter at Sharif Ali. Stay safe, stay informed and stay skeptical.